The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table. Would he not rather say to him, prepare something for me to eat. Put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the apostles asked Jesus in all innocence, increase our faith. And he replied to them, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, so today we, we focus on faith. But like so many other words that become overly familiar to us, we can often misunderstand what this word means. A, a word we have on our wall as you walk into to the school where we say faith, family, and future. But what does that mean? From, from the outside world, the idea of faith is, is mocked. It's often seen and, and spoken of as anti-intellectualism or some blind ascent to the unseen, to the unknowable. And what's interesting, as Christians typically, in defense of our position, this is a move you'll typically see in, in debates about creation and evolution, the Christian will say, we have faith in God and you have faith in science. But when we say this, we're using the definition the Word gives us for faith. What we're really saying is, is no, we weren't there at the beginning of the creation of the world and neither were you. And you can't reproduce the events of the Big Bang any more than we can recreate the events of Genesis 1 and 2. And therefore, you blindly assent to science and we blindly assent to the triune God. But the problem is this argument makes faith less than what it truly is. And when we lose the power of the word faith, we lose the direction it offers for our lives. Faith is not fire insurance. Faith is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. Faith is not calculating the odds and trying to figure out what is the most potentially beneficial team to be a part of. This is why Pascal's wager is such a dangerous method, is such a dangerous rhetorical device. Pascal would say, believe in God, because if you're right, you have this infinite gain, and if you're wrong, you have nothing to lose. But if you don't believe in God, then if you're wrong, you have everything to lose, an infinite loss, hell. And if you're right, there is no God, then, well, it ends the same for all of us. But Pascal's wager is, is dangerous because it's ultimately self-serving. It's asking the question, what is best for you, and whatever it takes, grab for that one. And it never actually points us to Jesus. If there is a creator... If there is something beyond man himself, 
then it would reason that such a being would be beyond our ability to comprehend or grasp. Just as a squirrel can't fully comprehend the depths of my own thinking and has no hope to ever be brought into the same level of thinking that any of us have, of complexity of thought, so it is with our God. He's not below our reason. This is the problem. Sometimes that's what's painted. He's not below our reason like some superstition like black cats and broken mirrors. He's above our reason. He's beyond our ability to even reason. And faith is a confidence in that God who is beyond us, a God we cannot fully understand. And it's, it's a disposition. It's a movement of the heart to trust him and to confide in him. It does not describe our ability to conceive something, to think of something. I I believe in God. I think there is a God. I understand there is a God. It's not about that. Faith defines a relationship. See, he's not, God is not an equation that we can just solve. He's an eternal being who desires communion with you. And faith, then, is an investment into that relationship. That's what it means to have a confidence and trust in God. Think of how we use the word faith. I have faith in my car, right? I turn the key, I want it to start. I turn the steering wheel, and I expect it to obey my commands. I have faith that my car will do what I ask it to do. This is why we give our cars names. I know you have. This is why we pet them so gently. This is why we sweet talk. It'll be okay. You're okay. Right? Because we actually form a relationship with our vehicles. But then, after a series of failures, maybe a dead battery, your tire blows out or it's making these funny click-click sounds, you don't know what it means, we lose faith in our car. And what was once trust becomes distrust. And what do we do at that point? We start looking for another one. And we do this with our spouses. Not looking for another one. Don't do that. Don't do that. Not looking for another one. No, but, but your spouse is not an algebra equation. Right? If I can figure out need B and desire C, and I can multiply that by the square root of the sum of the two divided by the years we've been married, then I can make them happy. That's not how it works. No. No, it's, it's investing in time. Faith and confidence in a spouse grows because you invest time into each other. And it's that way with any relationship we have. Faith and trust grow over time and investment of time with that person. And faith in that person then fundamentally affects the way we live out that relationship, right? We know this. We know this intuitively because We've all experienced what happens when faith is broken in a relationship, when there no longer is, is, is peace and harmony, when we turn cold and silent towards each other, when, when we lash out easily in anger, when, when we become protective of ourselves because we've been wounded by those who claim to love us. And so we protect ourselves even at the cost of others. Why do we think we can have faith in God yet completely separate him from the way we would live our daily life? Why do, we, why do we think we can say, I believe in God, but almost every waking breath and moment we have, our actions and our words and our inactions proclaim a different truth 
James wrote about it this way in his apostle. He said, in his epistle, he said, faith without works is dead. Because faith cannot be inactive. It, it requires the full commitment of ourself, our being, our body. E- even the small acts of remembrance we do in this place, the, the ritual acts, such as making the sign of the cross upon us, to remind ourselves that in the waters of baptism, the triune God put his name upon me so I could be his child. As we enter into this place, even bow or kneel as we enter in because we, we're confessing with our very bodies that God is here now. As we receive the Eucharist and we say the word amen, we are proclaiming that this truly is his body and blood given and shed for me. And these small acts of remembrance connect us to the promises that God has made us and how he's always faithful to those commitments. I encourage you, if you want to learn more about faith, James' James's epistle is phenomenal about what it means to be faithful, to have faith. I encourage you to read it. It takes just a few minutes. It's a short book. But I promise you, it will take your whole life to digest it. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, Jesus says. Now, a mustard seed is ridiculously small. Many times we hear this phrase and, and we marvel that such a small seed can grow into such a large tree. And we, we'll say something to the effect of see how faith can, can, can just gloriously flourish. And, and while I don't disagree with this idea, there's something that strikes me about this interaction. The disciples first asked Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus replies to them, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. This, this implies that the apostles, the, the ones who are following Jesus, their faith right now is less than a mustard seed. Oh, you of little faith. How often does Jesus say that? Oh, you of little faith. The disciples bring a man, a boy, before him that's possessed by a demon. They try to cast him out in Jesus' name, but they couldn't. They, they weren't successful. And Jesus says to them, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And he casts out the demon. Well, while teaching about anxiety and being provided for, Jesus says, But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? In Matthew, when, when the storms are, are overtaking the boat and they're all afraid they're going to die and Jesus is found sleeping on the boat, they wake him and he says to them, a hue of little faith. And then silences the storm. Do you believe that God has power over demons and the creation, over sickness and death? Do you believe that he provides for every need you have and want for no more. Just like the children of Israel who, who enter into the desert and time and time again, God, you let us out here to die. You don't care about us. You won't feed us. You won't give us something to drink. You're not with us. Don't you, don't you care? Where were you when I cried out violence? Where were you when all my life was falling apart? Oh, you of little faith. Do you not trust that the God who has already done so much for you will continue to be with you, will continue to provide for you and care for you? 
And on the flip side, it's in our pride. We think of ourselves as, as people of great faith, or maybe even we just think of ourselves as people as uh, slightly above average faith, right? I've got my own thing, and I'm doing my own Jesus thing. But it's amazing. It's amazing to me how some of the most faithful people I know were acutely aware of their own smallness of faith, their own, own lack of trusting God. I mean, that's what sin is. They were aware of their sin. Every time we sin, it's, it's a confession of, of distrust of our God. We're saying, I don't trust God to provide for my needs. And so I'm going to provide for myself. I'm going to spend on myself. I'll take for myself. And we don't think God can work through the truth. And so we lie, right? We lie to to him. We lie to each other. Or maybe we're just embarrassed by by the truth. And we're afraid that if we would tell the truth, that that we would be, be destroyed. And we don't think God could redeem that. Or are we commit adultery because... We don't believe our spouse is enough anymore and they're not fulfilling my needs or maybe even we think we picked the wrong one. God must have a different one out there. I just, I messed up. Or because we're not married and have no intention of, of waiting to gratify the desires of our flesh, we, we just jump into whatever relationship we can. God's not going to meet those needs. So I'll just go to someone else. And we steal and we, we covet. We desire what other people have all the time fail to honor our parents and even tell ourselves, why did God give me these parents? Why couldn't I have Johnny's parents? And we fail to spend time with God because we convince ourselves that we have more productive things or maybe even just more relaxing things to do than to waste our time in God's word and in his presence and in the presence of the community of faith. And we use his name flippantly because at the end of the day, it's just a word, it's just a name, so who cares? It's no big deal. We don't trust that his name's truly holy. How small our faith is. How faithless we often are. But St. Paul offers us a word of encouragement. He writes, if we are faithless, if we are faithless, He, God, remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He is Lord. He is God. He is the kindest of all masters. He's full of mercy, but he's still just and righteous and holy. And our reason, our reason knows nothing but betrayal. Because it's what we've done and it's what's happened to us time and time again. Of promises made and broken of faithlessness, even from those who claim to love us. But God is beyond our reason. And when all we know is broken promises and faithlessness, he is faithful always because that's who he is. That is his being. This is the Lord we serve, for we are his servants. And he as a master is beyond anything we could have hoped for, dreamed of, imagined, wished for. And so we're called to serve him. We plow the fields, we tend the flock. We prepare to plant so that the harvest can be great. We serve his dinner. Why? Because when the kingdom is prosperous, when the kingdom of God is prosperous, we are the ones who benefit and our neighbors benefit. Do not think to yourself you do a singular thing and you're like, okay, I'm good. Look, look how great I am. I did this great thing for God and now I'm, I'm set. Rather, ask yourself, how can I keep serving? We are unworthy servants. We've only done what our duty is, what we've been commanded to do. Love God, love neighbor, resist the devil. 
You see, faith is surrendering to the power that's already at work within you. Hear that again. Faith is surrendering to the power that's already at work within you. Even if you don't know God and, and you want nothing to do with God or you're pushing against God, he's still working in your heart. Faith is simply surrendering to that power that's already at work within you. And in surrender, it allows for even greater things to happen in and through you. This is why we find the stories of saints so powerful. Because it shows us that, the, that the, there's great power in the smallest act of faith to ignite the world. Look at Martin Luther. Who brought God's word to the people, the common people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, who preached the gospel even though it meant his life would be taken in World War II. There's a, there's a Catholic priest, Maximilian Kolbe, who, who was in a group of men and ten were chosen by the Nazis to be uh, executed. And the tenth man was sobbing when his name was called and he said, I'll take his place. Because he had faith that God would be faithful to his promises even in the face of death. The most powerful saints are the ones who are woefully aware of the smallness of their faith, their sin. And in doing so, become ever more aware of how great their God is, how big he is. And it becomes a confession of faith to us. We fall into a trap if we think, I already know everything I need to know about God. I've got my little, my little thing. Or, I, or I'm confirmed and I have everything I need now. And then we're shocked when our sixth grade faith goes off to high school and takes a beating and then goes off to, to college and is left in tatters. Look at athletes at the highest level. At no point do they say to themselves, I've arrived, I'm perfect, I am the best there is. Rather, the best athletes always invest in the perfection of their craft. And it's the same way with our faith. This is why it's so important that we're starting back up Bible studies on Sunday morning. Not, not so you can be glad to belong to a church that has Sunday morning Bible study, but so that you can go to Bible study. So that you can grow in faith, so that you can be in his word, so that you can attend. So that because when we hear his word, when we come into his presence, when we receive his gifts, he ignites that faith within us already and causes it to burn bright so that we can be confident and trust in the promises of God each day more and more. It changes us. It changes us. I've seen it. And some of your faces right here, right now, I've seen it. It changes us so that together we may serve this household of faith and boldly welcome others in. And so we focus our eyes on Jesus and the faith that he's given to us and we trust in him that upon this journey he's always with us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, Increase our faith so that we may always faithfully serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.